Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we uh, conclude our series on one another. We've talked about praying for one another and loving one another and building up one another. And we're going to wrap it up today by talking about forgiving one another. Uh, a few years ago, there was a um, very popular song on Christian radio. If you listen to K-Love, you probably heard it by Matthew West. And the song is entitled Forgiveness. And it's got a very powerful message. Matter of fact, I just want to read the lyrics to you and let them kind of sink in for a minute. It says, it's the hardest thing to give away. And it's the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they caused is just too real. It takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. It flies in the face of all your pride. It moves away the mad inside. It's always anger's own worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say you've got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ears saying set it free. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There's no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. This prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness, forgiveness. And it goes on and sings the chorus again. And then finally it says, I want to finally set it free. Show me how to see what your mercy sees. Help me now to give what you gave to me. Talking to the Lord there. Forgiveness, forgiveness. And that's so true. Now what's amazing about this song is the rest of the story. It was from the Story of Your Life album tour that Matthew West did a few years ago where he asked fans to write in true stories and he would take their life story after praying about it and write a song on it. And this song, Forgiveness, was written on a story of a woman who lost her daughter to a drunk driver. Imagine the pain and the heartache that she went through And yet she chose to forgive the man who killed her own daughter in a drunk driving incident. The forgiveness that she had in Christ and the forgiveness that she gave through Christ changed her life. And it makes me think, you know, if you are a Christian, you've been forgiven. And if you live any length of time, sooner or later, you're going to have to give that forgiveness to someone else. And so the question is this, have you received the forgiveness of God that's available through Jesus Christ? If you haven't, we're going to have an invitation at the end of the service before the Lord's Supper. You will have an opportunity to do that. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, have you freely offered that same forgiveness that God gave you to someone else? And let me tell you, as a follower of Christ, we're commanded to do that. And sooner or later, it'll be your turn to do that. And we're going to talk about that in a minute too. But I want us to turn for a moment to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. It's a parable that Jesus taught about the 
unforgiving servant. And it kind of lays it out really well what we're talking about today when we talk about forgiveness. In Matthew 28, or excuse me, in Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter approached Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Now let's put this in context. Um, I like the... I like the rules of baseball, don't you? Three strikes, you're out. Three outs, new inning, right? And um, you can take that approach with people. That's one. How many parents have done that with their kids? That's two. You never want to see three, do you? You know what's coming. And yet here is, G, uh, here is Peter, and he's talking to Jesus and says, how many times should I forgive my brother? You know, seven's a heavenly number and seven's a whole lot, you know, in Jewish culture. As much as seven times? Wow. And that's a lot for Peter. Seven times. But here's Jesus' response. He says, I tell you not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. I'll give you a hint. He's not talking about math. And everybody like me goes, good, <laughs> right? What, what Jesus is trying to teach Peter as, as a follower of Jesus, as someone that has faith in the Lord, you're going to forgive many times, over and over and over, and never forget the reason why you're going to forgive someone else. Because God has forgiven you. That's it. So look at the parable that he tells him. He says in verse 23, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, uh, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. My little Bible has a um, little note there on what these 10,000 talents are. It's about 6,000 denarii, or a better way to say it, it's about 20 years of wages. That's a big paycheck, isn't it? 20 years of wages. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. Now, here is a guy that owed 20 years worth of debt. And the collector came to collect, and he was going to take everything. I'm putting you and your family in jail, or I'm going to sell you one. I'm going to take all that you own, and I'm going to try to get all I can out of you. And he pleads for mercy. I'll pay it back. Just have mercy on me. And the guy says, okay, I'll have mercy, and I'll, for I'll forgive you the loan. After all, it's 20 years how long is it going to take you to pay me back? So he, he gives him grace and mercy and says, I'll forgive you. That guy's load just got a lot lighter, didn't it? You'd think he'd be walking on, 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 uh, on clouds. He'd be walking so nice, you'd think, where did he go on vacation? I mean, he's just, he's, he's light as a feather now. But look at what happens next. This servant that's been forgiven 20 years of wages, he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now again, my Bible has a footnote. A hundred denarii is one day's wage. 
So get this in your mind. 20 years worth of wages, one day. One day. And he says to this servant, he grabs him. He starts choking him. And he says, pay what you owe. And at this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Sound familiar? But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed, a day's wages. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed, and they went and reported to their master everything that had happened. And then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. 20 years worth of wages. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. And so also, Jesus says, my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Well, how many times, Jesus, do I have to forgive? The number is irrelevant. As many times as you need to. Because at the end of the day, you forgive others because he's forgiven you. Never, ever forget that. But here's the rub. I think if we're honest, we would admit, but forgiveness is so hard. And it is. I don't think anybody would deny that. Forgiveness is hard. It's not easy. Uh, You might even say it's not natural or normal. And I almost would agree with you because until God comes into the equation and He forgives us and that changes our heart, We don't have the natural compassion to just forgive people just for just because. There's got to be a compelling reason. And God gives us the reason. He says, look at how I've treated you. Now you go out and treat others the same. And here's the rub. If I forgive you and yet you go out there and don't forgive others, then you're in a rude awakening because God's not going to forgive you either. And so it's a great revealer. So I got to thinking about this week. Why is forgiveness so hard? What is it that we can do about it? And I came up with um, about four things that we need to keep in mind in order to learn how to forgive. First of all, number one, forgiveness is a command to obey. It is a command to obey. Now, I don't have time to lay out every time it's mentioned as a command, but I just want to mention a couple of them, and I think they'll suffice. But here's a couple of passages that reveal the command to forgive, and boy, is it instructive for us. In Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, he says, Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. In other words, he says, I can see it. It's written on your face. You're fuming at the mouth. Your face is red. You're angry. You're shouting. You're not happy. I see it. And he says, you got to let all that go. And, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Well, how am I going to go from one to the other? 
And then he says, forgiving one another, you've got to be crazy, right? And he says, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Dagger to the heart. Oh, okay. In other words, put the mirror in front of you. What did God do for you? You know, when, when we come to God and we ask for forgiveness, how does he really feel about our sin toward him? He's a holy, righteous, perfect God. And yet he's willing to forgive us. And when he does that for us, we ought to be willing to do the same when someone hurts us or sins against us. And so he says, you got to let all that anger and wrath and bitterness, all that, you got to let it go. You got to be kind and compassionate. You got to forgive. And why? Because that's what God did for you in Christ. I tell you what, through the years when I didn't want to hear this word and the Holy Spirit applied it to my heart, I never could win the argument with God when I read Ephesians 4.32 because that's what God did for you. You're right, God. You did. And so I have no excuse. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13, another one. Paul is talking to the church at Colossae. He says, as God's chosen ones... Holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. May have to do a series sometime on bearing one another. That's a good old King James word that applies, don't it? When's the last time you've bared with one another? You know, you have a bad day. That person's getting on my nerves. Bear one another. <laughs> and so here it says to bear one another and to uh, forgive one another. And if you, uh, if you uh, do that, you're modeling what the Lord has done for you and you are to do the same as well. And so powerful word there. Forgiveness is a command to obey. It's not optional. You know that great commission we love to talk about, you know, to make disciples of all nations. You, you go into the world, you share the gospel, you make disciples uh, by sharing the gospel, by baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything he's commanded us. Well, that's one of the commands, to forgive one another. It's a hard, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard thing to do, but it's a command that's expected of every follower of Jesus. We do it because that's what he did for us. So forgiveness is a command to obey. But there's a second thing I want you to see about forgiveness, and that is, it is a lesson to learn. Forgiveness is a lesson to learn. You've heard me talk about this many times, so I'll keep the story short. But in, in Genesis, one of my favorite people in the Bible is Joseph, the son of Jacob. Joseph, the one who receives that coat of many colors. Joseph, who is the favored son of, of his father, Jacob. And Joseph, who uh, has a, a heart for the Lord, and he has this vision in the future of how God will one day use him and his entire family will, will bow down to him. And when he shares this with everybody, his parents don't get it. They don't understand. And his, his brothers, they're jealous. They don't like him. He's the favorite son. He gets special treatment, and uh, they don't like him. And, and what does he mean we're going to bow down to him? And so they ultimately, they, um, 
They betray him. They fake his death. They sell him into slavery, and they think they'll never see him again. They fake his death because they got to go home and tell daddy something. And so years go by. There's a famine in the land. They have to go to Egypt to get food. And what do you know? They're bound down to their brother, and they don't even know it. To make a long story short, a few years go by, and they go back to get more food. And then Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And here's what he says in Genesis 50, verse 20. He says, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. I love that, don't you? You know, we believe in the sovereignty of God. I'm not smart enough to explain how all that works, but God rules. And when man tries to thwart God's purpose, God can overrule. God can use everything in life, even the things that people plan for evil, He can turn that around and use it for His good. And that's what Genesis 50 verse 20 is all about. Joseph is looking at his brothers and he says, what you did was wrong. You meant evil. I mean, you faked my death. You betrayed me. You sold me to slavery so that you wouldn't have to see me ever again. But what's in that statement, he said, that was the what you planned evil against me part. But he says God planned it to bring about the present result. He goes on to say in other chapters, he says, God sent me ahead of you to save our lives. Now that's spiritual maturity. That's Joseph looking back with the eyes of faith and seeing the hand of God and saying what you meant for evil, God meant for good, and look what God did. Now that's an Old Testament verse. You might say, is there a New Testament verse that kind of conveys the same truth? I'm glad you asked. Romans 8, 28. Maybe you've heard that verse before, but you didn't know what it meant. Romans 8, 28. Paul says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Let's see if we meet the condition of this promise. That's a promise from God. And He states it as we know this. We need to know this. So, do you love God? Yes, I'm, I love the Lord. I've been saved. And you're called, into his, called according to His purpose? Yes, I'm pursuing His will for my life. Okay, then you can know something by faith. And that is all things, all the stuff you're going through, God works it together for your good. Now you look at it and go, how is this good? He didn't say it was good. It could be just, you know, bad and ugly. But God says, if you love me and you're following my will, my purpose, then everything that happens, I use it for your good. I've got, I've got something good in mind that I'm going to use this for. And so forgiveness is a lesson to learn. We have to learn to forgive. Joseph learned to forgive his brothers. And here Paul is talking to the Roman church. You know, we need to realize that God can take everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he can turn around and use it for our good, regardless of how other people meant for it to be. And so forgiveness is a lesson to learn. Sometimes it takes a while to learn it. But if you're willing to learn it, you'll learn it. There's a third thing I want you to see about forgiveness. 
And that is, it's a test to pass. Now, what do you mean it's a test to pass? Well, take, uh, take the church in Corinth, for example. I talked about the Corinth church last week in my sermon on building up one another. And remember, they were a church that had a lot of problems. They were divided. They, they were dealing with issues of idolatry and immorality. They were taking each other to court. Like This church, uh, even though they loved God, they were uh, a hot mess, as somebody would say. They had a lot of problems. And the church in Corinth, um, they had to practice church discipline to remove a member that was living in open sexual immorality, and he was proud of it. And so Paul wrote to them. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, but I'm going to keep moving on. And basically, he tells the church, you've got to deal with this. You have to deal with this. And so he implemented church discipline. Well, then, in his second letter, 2 Corinthians, he begins to address this issue because they did what he said, and he gives us the rest of the story. I want to give you a couple quick passages. 2 Corinthians 1.12. He says, This is our boast. The testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you with godly sincerity and purity, not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. I'm smiling because I can remember a few years ago, actually it was several years ago, probably about 15 years ago, when God taught me this verse. I was going through a um, particular situation in my ministry, and it was hard, and uh, God showed me this verse, and I was sharing it with a, a group of pastors that met on Monday morning in our local association, and I said, i got to give you this word God's given me. It's really speaking to me right now. It's showing me what God wants me to do and how He wants me to respond, and I was reading the verse, and, and one of the guys interrupted me and says, you didn't read that right. And I go, what do you mean? He says, you said not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. Don't you mean God's wisdom instead of human wisdom? And I said, no. That, that's what the Word says, and that's the part God showed me. Because we have our own ways of dealing with things in life, and that's called human wisdom. And you would think we need to do the opposite and have God's wisdom. But that's not what Paul says in that verse. He says, we... We have this boast. Uh, we have the testimony of our, of, of our conscience that we've conducted ourselves in this world and especially towards you with godly sincerity and purity, not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. The driver, the motivator that teaches us how to treat other people is God's grace. He treats me better than I deserve. That's what grace is. And now he's telling me to treat others better than they deserve. That's God's grace. So it's not necessarily God's wisdom. It's God's grace. Now, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.12 because it's a good headline for what he's about to say in a few verses later. In the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, he addresses this issue of church discipline that he, that he basically told them to do in 1 Corinthians 5, and they did. And here's the rest of it. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 5, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused pain not so much to me, but to some degree, not to exaggerate, 
to all of you. In other words, Paul is acknowledging when you had to deal with his brother in his sin and discipline him in front of the church, it was painful for everybody. Who wants to do that, right? And then he says in the next verse, he says, this punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. In other words, you did what you needed to do. You did the right thing. As a result, verse 7, you should instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. As a result of this discipline before the church, I think it broke this man's heart. He finally got it right, okay? And because he got it right, he was overwhelmed by grief. He knew he had done something wrong and he was proud of it. And so now he's, he's being disciplined before the church and now, you know, the lesson has been learned and he feels sorry for what he did. And we could leave it there and just move on. Let's don't talk about it anymore. But that's not what Paul does. Paul says, listen, now you've got to apply the balm of healing. Now I want you to forgive him. Now I want you to comfort him. Now I want you to reaffirm your love for him. And you go, oh, and that's how it works. And we could stop there and go, well, that's neat. But I want you to read what he says next because it gives us the why. There in verse um, 9, he says, I wrote for this purpose to test your character to see if you're obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it's for your benefit in the presence of Christ so that we may not be taken advantage by, uh, taken advantage of by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his schemes. Paul's like, we got to close the door to the devil. We dealt with the sin issue, but now we're going to come alongside, now that they're brokenhearted and they're repentant and they've done the right thing, we're going to reaffirm our love for them, we're going to comfort them, we're going to encourage them, and we're going to close the door to the devil so that he don't come around the back door and stir things up. And he says, but I asked you to do this, church, to test your character. Are you going to obey me in everything? Are you going to obey me in everything? Not just the things that look good and feel good, but are you going to obey me in everything? Even the stuff that everybody sees, everybody knows it's a problem, don't want to rock the boat and talk about the problem. You got to call it out. You got to deal with it. You have to do that. The Bible demands it. And so here, forgiveness is a test to past. And can I say from a practical standpoint and a personal standpoint, when you begin to forgive others, you pass the test that proves you're a Christian. Because it's one thing to come to church and talk about the love of God and the forgiveness of God, but the minute you get hurt, the minute you get offended, the minute you get angry, it's your turn to pass the test. Are you going to extend the same love and forgiveness to someone else that God has you? If you don't, then what you claim you have in, in God isn't real. Think about that. That's why we have to forgive because we've been forgiven. 
There's one more thing I want to share with you before I wrap this up. We talk about forgiveness as a command to obey. It's a lesson to learn. It's a test to pass. And one more, forgiveness is a deliberate decision you make. You don't fall into forgiveness. You don't wake up one day and say, well, I just finally did it. It's a deliberate decision you have to make. You have to choose. Let me give you a a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Let's go to Jesus. Jesus is betrayed. He's handed over to the Gentiles. He is crucified on a cross between two thieves. And in Luke 23, verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That was one of the last seven sayings of Jesus Christ on the cross. He was praying for the forgiveness of those that were killing him and crucifying him. He was forgiving those that were walking by, hurling insults at him and mocking him. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Now, usually there's a learning curve to forgiveness. And what I mean by that is something happens in your life, you get hurt, you get offended, days go by, weeks go by. For the slow learners, months and years go by before they finally get to a place to where they're willing and able to forgive. Here is Jesus on the cross in the heat of the moment. All this is being done to him. All this is coming at him full force. It's raw. It's real. And in the moment, he says, Father, forgive them. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, come on, Brother Corey. That's Jesus. Ain't none of us like Jesus. Well, that's true. So I'll give you one more example. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen... One of the first, uh, one of the seven in the book of Acts that was chosen, in my opinion, to be a deacon. And he became uh, one of the, he became the first Christian martyr. That means he died for his faith in Jesus. He was the first one to do that. And in Acts chapter 7, after he has shared his testimony with the people, he's, he's called before the Sanhedrin, a religious court. He, he defends his case and they get so angry at him when he talks about Jesus that they yell at the top of their voices, they cover their ears, and they rush against him. They're in Acts 7, verse 58. They drag him out of the city. They began to stone him. That means they pick up rocks and they hit him to kill him. They stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's the guy that will get saved and become Paul the Apostle. But that's another, day, that's another story for another day. And while they were stoning Stephen, what did Stephen do? You're going to get yours. Just wait to judgment day. No, that's not what he said. Stephen said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice because he wanted them to hear this. Lord! Do not hold this sin against them. We know out of all the crowd that was there that day, one man was mentioned by name. His name was Saul. 
who went on later to get saved. And if I were the devil, I would say, Saul, you're a low-down, rotten scoundrel. You killed the first Christian. You can't serve God. Who do you think you are? You've made so many mistakes, Saul. You just need to go over here and sit in the corner and let life pass you by. God can't use you. You know what I think Saul did? Number one, he knew the gospel. Number one, I think he thought of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, he said, I lived a life in ignorance. I didn't know what I thought I knew. And then he remembered what Jesus prayed on the cross. It's finished. In other words, everything that is necessary for me to be saved has been done through the cross and the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I think, personally, Paul went a little further. I think Paul said, Lord, Stephen said, don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against me. And that's what he held on to. God heard that prayer. He was forgiven in full. Paid it all. You and I, we need to remember something. That when it comes to forgiveness... It's the, it's the summation of what Jesus did for you and I to be saved. He took all that stuff that we deserve on Himself and He did it for us and now we can be forgiven. And so it's a command we have to obey. It is a lesson that we have to learn. It's a test that we have to pass to prove that we've really been changed to start with but it's a deliberate decision that you have to make. And that's what's so powerful about forgiveness. Matter of fact, one of the theologians, one of those German guys, I think he's German. If I'm wrong, you can tell me after the service. But Reinhold Niebuhr, I think that's his name, he has this quote, and it's a short one. Forgiveness is the final form of love. That's true. Forgiveness is the final form of love. If your definition of, of, of love, if your understanding of love does not include forgiveness as part of it, then you, quite, you haven't quite figured out what it's all about yet. Forgiveness is the final form of love. Here in a moment, we're fixing to have an invitation. After the invitation, we'll go into the Lord's Supper. I thought forgiveness would be a great way to stir us for the Lord's Supper. But I want to read one last verse before I make my case and my appeal to you. I'm reminded of a classic verse that many of you, if you've been in church, you've heard all your lives. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will heal from heaven, hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. We, we all want God to hear our prayers. We all want God to forgive our sin. We all want God to heal our land. Boy, does it need it, right? But are we willing to do those four things? If we're the people of God, 
It doesn't start out there. It starts right here. It starts with us. We got to lead the way. Will we humble ourselves? Will we pray? Will we seek his face? All of us will say yes, yes, yes. And turn from our evil ways. Then he'll do this. I implore you today. If you've never been saved, the first thing you need to do is come to the foot of the cross and ask God to come into your life. He will save you and he will change you. And if you are a believer here today, before we go to the Lord's table, let me say this. We, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of the church to participate, but it's the Lord's table, not the church's table. You need to be a believer, okay? You need to be a believer to do the Lord's Supper. And I want you to understand that before you come to the Lord's table and partake of this uh, bread and this cup and remember the body and blood of Jesus, examine yourself. You've heard that preached many times too. We, we've sanitized it because if you read 1 Corinthians, they were coming and they were getting drunk and some people were hungry and starving and I can assure you that's not going to happen here. We got Welches, okay? But what, what I'm trying to say is this. We've sanitized it by putting it in the sanctuary so the danger of, uh, of us observing this improperly has to do with examining ourselves to say, Lord, is everything right between me and you? And Lord, is everything right between me and my brothers and sisters in Christ? If it is, praise God, enjoy the Lord's Supper. If there's something that you need to get right between you and God, do that first. If there's something that you need to get right with someone else, do that first. Remember what Jesus said when you bring a gift to the altar? and you remember that you need to go to your brother, leave the gift at the altar and go make it right with your brother. And so that's what I say to you. If you want to examine yourself properly before you do the Lord's Supper, ask yourself, is everything right between me and Jesus? Is everything right between me and my brothers and sisters in Christ? If it is, by all means, enjoy the Lord's Supper. But if it's not, examine yourself and get that right first. Even if it means you don't do this today, the Lord would want you to get that right first. So let's all stand. Musicians, if you would come. Ushers, if you would come. We're fixing to have an invitation here in a few moments. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you for this time to worship together. Thank you for this message from your word today. And Lord, thank you, Father, that we get to come to your table today. But before we come, Lord, we want you to examine our hearts and our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there's something there that needs to be right, Lord, help us to get it right right now. Lord, have your will and your way in this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The ushers are fixing to collect the next step cards. Please uh, fill that out if you want to. We get prayer requests. Um, sometimes people share things with me and I appreciate that maybe you want to indicate that you're ready for your next step and you want to have a conversation I'd love to have that conversation with you I've had a couple this week as a matter of fact so I thank God for that but whatever God is wanting you to do please do that you can also give as you are led but right now in the stillness of this moment I want us to slow down for a few moments before we go out those doors and get back in the saddle and run the treadmill again. Let's take some time to worship the Lord as we sing.
let's take some time to remember the cross and what he did for you and for me. And if you struggle with forgiveness, you know you're saved, but you still feel guilty. Maybe the devil's in your head whispering at your ear. If anybody understood that, Paul did. And we as Christians can point people to the cross and we can forgive them and we can pray for them so that they can know, hey, that's been forgiven. That's settled. So right now we're fixing to sing. And if the Lord leads you, won't you come? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.